All right, well, we're going to bring it back together. Most of you have found your seats again. If we haven't met, my name is Rob. And, um, and this, this message that we've, this series we've been going through um, has been fun, but this week was just hard. This week kind of, kind of really kicked me around. So we'll see what it does for you. But, um, but oftentimes when I meet with people, uh, I have this little catchphrase that I developed after lots of lots and lots and lots of years in youth ministry. I'm like, you know, you probably won't shock me, so just go ahead. And, uh, and most people don't shock me, I'll be honest. But I was reading this story about this pediatric oncologist, kid's cancer doctor, and uh, I thought, wow, if I was her, I think I would have been shocked. And she tells this story as, as this pediatric oncologist of this boy named Arthur. And she'd seen Arthur for about five years. Since he was three years old, he developed cancer. And there had been many, many, many times that he was almost, almost going to die. And all through these times, his, his parents were patient. They never lost hope. And, and one day, Arthur's mom came in without him. And she sits down with this doctor. And she had trouble looking at, making eye contact with her. And finally, she says... I just really need to know something. And the doctor's, you know, looking at her. Okay. And she says, I, I just need to know if I caused Arthur's cancer. And as she sits there, she goes on to say that early in her marriage, she, she had this moment where she went out and she had an affair. And, as she, and then she leaves her husband for this other guy. And then she becomes pregnant by this other man. And when she tells him, he mixes her a concoction of medicines and substances to try and abort the child. And she drinks it, and it doesn't work. And then he leaves her. And now she's alone and distraught and pregnant, and she goes back to her husband. He forgives her. She asks for forgiveness. He forgives her. And then... Um, and they walked through this process. And all along, the doctor never would have known that Arthur wasn't his kid. Because all along, he had just treated him like his own son. So as she tells the story, she again looks at the doctor and says, So, I just really need to know. Do you think what I drank caused Arthur to have cancer? Now, the doctor wisely responded, you know, we'll never, we'll never know what caused the cancer. We can just go in and treat it and try to heal it. Now, wouldn't it be great if medical doctors could go and try and go into us and heal our guilt and heal what was going on inside of this woman? But for years and years and years, she suffered with this unbelievable burden, this unbelievable guilt that she couldn't shake, even though her husband said, I forgive you, even though she tried to go to church over and over and over, she never was able to, for years and years and years, get this burden off of her. And as we've looked at this guy Paul, this master church planter who wrote to this new group of Christians in the city called Colossae, he gave them a list that we've been calling that list the marks of a follower. And in this list, in Colossians 3, the word of God says, Therefore, as God's people, chosen, 
holy and loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Get this, bear with one another and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. Another writer says it like this, be ready to put up with anything. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also should forgive others. As you look at those verses, you may not have cheated on your spouse. You may not have had to endure a child suffering, wondering if something you did caused it. But how many of us have been buried with guilt and anxiety or depression or anger caused by something we did or something somebody else did? How many of us have lied or cheated or or tried to maneuver ourselves out of a situation because really, really, truly, we thought the truth of going into that situation would just be too hard? And how many of us have been in situations where where deep down inside we really doubt that forgiveness is the best option. I, I, I think, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that no other area in this list that we've been going through for six weeks is harder to surrender to God that, and receive his healing than this, this idea of forgiveness, this mark of forgiveness. And today I just want to look at why forgiveness is necessary, why it has to be in this list, why as people who say we follow Jesus, forgiveness has to be a part of what we do. So with that, let's, let's pray and just ask God to speak to us this morning. God, I thank you that you're here, that your Holy Spirit is present. God, we worship you through song and, and through words. We, we come together and we meet and greet, and and we go past casual conversation because we know we need to to know each other. But but in this area, God, this is sometimes scary scary territory. So we ask that, that you would gently, if we need it gently, open up our hearts to hear what your word has to say. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at just why, jump right into it. I think the first reason why is because forgiveness is really the only way that we can truly remain in relationship, in true relationship to other people. Okay, so to be a Christ follower is to be in community. God himself was in community or in relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and God the Son eternally. So we believe in this God that has this one God that has three that is three beings. And, and they're in that relationship. It's perfect. There's harmony. And, and when God chose to display his glory and, and create the world to share relationship with us, um, we had, the first humans had perfect harmony, perfect relationship with God. There was, a, there was a, an unashamed, uh, a, I don't want to be inappropriate, but a nakedness. There was complete openness there. And, 
And then when the first humans broke that, when they sinned, they broke the community and the harmony that God intended for between us and ourselves, between us and each other, and then with the rest of creation. And so we ever since have been broken. And so we hide when we make mistakes or when we sin. We hide from God. We hide from others. We blame other people. We accuse other people. And then we just doubt God's best for us. And so we live in this kind of broken, hidden um, lifestyle. And Jesus came to restore that to restore communion with God, to restore communion with each other. And when he died on the cross and when he rose to life, he defeated sin and death and Satan, and he made that restoration possible. It's like a good name for a church, I think. Um, But yet we live in this place where we haven't reached heaven. And so even though the kingdom of God was inaugurated with Jesus, it's not like if the kingdom of God was a bright, sunny day, where the sunshine was just amazing, there were no clouds. If that's the true kingdom of God, then then we live in this place where it's kind of cloudy and the kingdom of God is more like a lantern, where we see glimpses of the kingdom of God and hopefully when you come here, when we meet together, not because of this place, but because of us in our relationship with God, you see glimpses of the kingdom of God. And maybe throughout your day and throughout your week, you see glimpses of the kingdom of God where you say, that is, That's true. That's the kingdom. But we don't have that all the time. We just have these glimpses. And so we fight and we struggle with sin and with greed and with selfishness. And it's hard. And so the the author knew that, that writes to these people in Colossae. And and he lists a lot of actions and attitudes that people struggle with. And this list isn't updated. And just look at what verses 5 through 10 say as these people were struggling to be this new community of Christ followers, this writer says, put to death the sinful, the earthly things that lurk within you, have nothing to do with sexual immorality or impurity or lust or evil desires. Don't be greedy for greedy people, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worshiping the things of this world, because of these things, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things, when your life was still a part of the world, but now the time has come to get rid of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Now put on the new nature, renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Seems like this is a pretty accurate list, even though it's 2,000 years later. Definitely some things that maybe you do, that I do, definitely things people do to us. And when you, th- when you look at that list, anger, rage, malicious behavior, isn't, aren't those things that divide us, separate us? They break community. They break this relationship. And so um, several authors over the last, I don't know, maybe 20 years, um, have drawn up helpful illustrations to like this problem, and and one of them says that people are like porcupines. They're kind of cute from far away, but then you get up close to them, and they're a little bit dangerous, and you can get hurt. Um, If you've ever had a a pet that has been hit by a porcupine, you can can see. Now, now if you just look at that, and you think about this, and I don't want to be inappropriate, but 
but God created good creation, and so like, he wants the world to multiply, so he wants humans to make more humans, and animals to make more animals, so, so porcupines need to make more porcupines. How does that work? <laughs> I don't want to be, like I said, I don't want to be inappropriate, but carefully, um, they have to be at this point of vulnerability for porcupines to get close enough they have to expose themselves and as humans we have to do the same thing so to be vulnerable to be in community is to be vulnerable and to be vulnerable means we have to truly expose ourselves to who we are and it's really the only way to truly live just like the only way for porcupines to make more porcupines is to get close enough to each other. We too have to do that. But when we do that, it means we could get hurt. So we have this paradox. We have this struggle because to stay away is to be safe. And so I understand not all of you are flaming introverts like myself. Um, so sometimes meet and greet's a little anxiety producing. But the reason we do it longer than maybe you've experience before is to go past that point of politeness, to, to have this opportunity to be who you truly are in, in relationships in our families, in our, in our Christian circle of, of people who love Jesus. We have this, this paradox as well because sometimes maybe we've been hurt by people who say they love God. And so we, we want to be kind of far away we want our lives to look nice and put together. And yet, that is completely opposed to the kingdom life that Jesus calls us to. This life with God and with others has to be done together. It's living in true community. That means openness, honesty. That means authentic people in life together. But that means we could get hurt. That means we could get offended and it means we could be offended. And so again, I think the number one reason that forgiveness has to be a part of this is because it's the only way we can truly stay in relationship together. And Jesus inaugurated this, this gathering, this community called the church, and it was radically generous, it was radically inclusive, and it was radically loving and accepting. I mean, so much so that, that people still went around and said, look at how those people love each other. I just, I don't understand it. And this writer knew that if this new church on the outpost of the Roman Empire didn't get this, if they didn't get what it meant to be loving, if they didn't get what it meant to be forgiving, if they didn't get what it meant to accept or put up with or forgive offenders, then soon no one would be a part of that com community. So he says, be ready to put up with anything. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive others. Now, you might have a whole list of forgiveness issues that are running through your head. Yeah, but what about, you don't understand. And you're right. I don't understand everything, and this isn't meant to be the entirety of what the Bible says about forgiveness. We did 
I think, five-week series back in May on forgiveness. You can go back and you can look at what some of those things are, what forgiveness is, what it isn't, when we have to have boundaries and things like that. So I'm not saying let everything go. But what I am pressing into is, is sometimes we don't do a great job of, of putting up with. Um, and at my life group, I shared... Um, Sometimes I have no problem putting up with someone who doesn't know any better. Someone who doesn't know Jesus, I, I don't have a problem putting up with them, but when someone says they love Jesus, I want to come and smack them on the head and be like, hey, do you love Jesus? Because you shouldn't do that. And then I realized, I wonder how many times God has wanted to do that to me. Sometimes we even pray for the proverbial two-by-four to the head so that we get it. You know, you prayed it. Um, and yet... It's the only way to remain in true community. I think why else forgiveness is necessary, why it has to be a mark of a follower, is because it exposes who we truly are. And there's this great story from Luke that explains this. And, and to go over this to the best of my abilities, I'm going to need two volunteers. You won't have to read anything. You won't be embarrassed. You do have to put on a couple t-shirts, but that's it. So I prefer a man and a woman. Or Okay, I got one. I got two. Great. Great. Lisa, uh, I think I need you over here. And Michael, I need you over here. And uh, Julie, I think you're going to help me with this. Um, Okay. Yep. So, yep. Michael, come here. I need you to go behind there and put this on. And then put this on. Great. All right. While they're putting their clothes on, that sounds inappropriate. Um, let's go through and, and look at this story from Luke 7. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. And so Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. And then a certain immoral woman from the city heard that he was eating there and she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume and she knelt down at his feet weeping and tears fell on his feet and she wiped them with her hair and she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Um, And when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. Now, it was very common at, um, at a gathering of people. You can come out when you're ready. Awesome. It was very common when there was a gathering of people to have um, the people that were eating around uh, a couch, around a cloth, around, do we have that picture? Um, to them be eating, and it was pretty open. And so a lot of times, commoners or just kind of normal people would would come and watch these people eat. I guess it was a thing to do. We experienced this in Honduras. We would sit down at this table and then like the village would come and watch us eat. And so very weird for us, but very normal for them. And then if if this Pharisee would have had any money, then likely he would have had this raised kind of area, big couch, circular, and the food in the middle. And so it would have been pretty easy for a woman to come and and wipe her feet or touch Jesus' feet without like causing a giant stir. Although 
as soon as the Pharisee starts noticing this, he makes this comment. And uh, I don't know if you catch what he's implying. He says, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. So what is he saying? Well, obviously, Jesus, if this woman is a sinner, then you're not a prophet because prophets wouldn't have contact with sinners. So he's kind of making a slam on Jesus. And so Jesus heard him say this under his breath, and he answered his thought, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Doesn't use the more formal, more esteeming term rabbi, just kind of teacher. So Jesus told him a story. A man loaned two silver co- or a man loaned money to two people. To one, he loaned 500 silver coins, about 20 months' salary, year, over a year and a half of wages. And to another, he loaned 50 silver coins, about two months' salary. Now neither of them could repay the debt, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Simon, who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Simon answered, well, I suppose the one who was forgiven the bigger debt. See, Simon thinks they're going to engage in a little intellectual banter, boxing going on. So he doesn't want to give too much away. So he's like, well, I suppose, I suppose the one with the bigger debt. And Jesus says, oh, you're correct. So Simon's kind of like trying to figure out, okay, where's Jesus going to go with this? And then he turns towards the woman. Come closer, please. And he says, Simon, do you see, do you see this woman? Do you see this woman? I think the text is implying that Simon didn't see this woman. He might have seen her sin. He might have seen her status. He might have seen um, the things she had done wrong. But Simon didn't really see her. But what Jesus saw is what forgiveness had done with her. Her acts of love, this beyond expectation, um, it was common for the person who was the host to at least provide a jar of water or a basin of water for the person who came to the door so they could wash their feet. Now sometimes... um, Sometimes they might even provide a servant, but at least have the water. He didn't even provide that. Then to go a little bit higher than that, that that's like it kind of expected, to go a little bit higher than that, the the Pharisee, the host, should have been given a kiss of greeting. Like the Russian culture, they totally get this. The men, the women, they both give kisses of greeting. Um, and, And Jesus didn't receive that. He says, you know what, Simon? Do you see this woman? You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. And to go above and beyond hospitality wouldn't just be to provide the basin, wouldn't just be to provide the kiss of greeting, but it would be to anoint their head with oil and to bless them. And he said, you didn't put oil on my head, but she has put perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, Her many sins have been forgiven. But whomever has forgiven little, loves little. So now what's Jesus implying? Jesus saw what forgiveness had done to this woman. 
forgiveness exposed who she truly was. And her above and beyond expectations and the hospitality were from the love that was in her heart because forgiveness had changed her. Now, if we've only been forgiven little or maybe not understood what forgiveness is, then the Pharisee's heart was exposed as well. And so Jesus says, he who has been forgiven little loves little. Thanks, guys. You can sit down. The Pharisee didn't forg- the Pharisee forgot or the Pharisee didn't understand that forgiveness of sin isn't just about the past. But forgiveness of sin sets us free for our present and our future. And I think the Pharisee looked at the woman and was like, sure, maybe you're past, but you're still this immoral person. And she was set free. Whoever forgives little, or whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Man, that verse haunts me. It haunts me. Because I was a pretty good kid. Um, there's a story in, in Luke 15. There's an older brother and a younger one. And the younger one calls and says, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. I'm just going to go and party and I'm going to lose it all. And that's what he did. And then there's another one who stays home who's good. And when I think about my life, I'm kind of the second one. I'm kind of a good boy. You don't do that much wrong. But then in his heart, in Luke 15, he's exposed because he is jealous. He is mad that his son comes home, that his brother comes home. And his father just extends his arms and says, you're forgiven, son. You are back in the family. And the older older brother is exposed. His heart comes out because he's only been forgiven little. And so he only loves little. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you have lots of sins that you would say you need to be forgiven of or if you just think you have a few sins that you need to be forgiven of. But forgiveness just doesn't set us free from the past. It sets us free for our present and our future. So no longer are we bound by expectations or status. See, I think the last reason why forgiveness is mandatory is because it's the only way we can be right with God. Um... Jesus isn't in the self-improvement business. He's in the total makeover business. So I have some friends who do uh, CrossFit. You know, when you're in the CrossFit club, it's a little bit cultish, you know, like you've got to be there and do this at this time. Not not inappropriate cultish, sorry. I just mean like it's it's intense. You've got to be at this time and you can develop a little community and it's good, it's fun. Um, And I'm all for being like healthy. But getting a little better isn't what Jesus is about. Jesus is about open heart surgery. Like, take out this old heart that's selfish and greedy, maybe not yours, but mine, and put in this new heart that's loving and gracious and accepting and forgiving that loves much. Look at Colossians 3.3. If you're just a little bit unsure about this one. The writer says, You died to this life, And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. So God's forgiveness offers new life. 
not just improved. That means like all the charges have been dropped against us. So remember what I just said a few minutes ago about whoever loves little has been forgiven little. So when you look at your list of this is what I've done wrong, whether that list is small or whether that list is big, Jesus Christ on the cross through his perfect death took all of those sins, whether they're big or whether they're little, and he wiped all of them away. Every one of them. We don't have to go back to the cross or go back to the list and keep thinking that he's got to wash them away. There's a verse in Lamentations that says, God's mercies are new every morning. He stands like this. And God's right is to judge. Not ours, but God's is. Every day, his mercies are new. Open to us. Now, sometimes I might need to receive them again every day. But he takes that list, he wipes it away, past, present, and future. God's, God's amazing sacrifice with Jesus on the cross wipes all sin for all time. We don't have to live in this place where we're wondering if his forgiveness is available to us. It always is available. And that doesn't cause us to have a license to do more and be wrong because, again, our heart will be exposed. If we think, like, oh yeah, I've been forgiven, then we're like the Pharisee. If we really haven't allowed him to do that total heart makeover. And if you haven't been accepted, if you're not sure you have, then hear those words again from earlier in Colossians chapter 2. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sin. He canceled the record of your wrongs and the charges against us, and he took it away, and he nailed it to the cross. And so it is there, and it is for you and I to go to that cross and to be forgiven, to receive that. I think forgiveness is the only way we can remain in true relationship. Forgiveness exposes what our heart really is, who we really are, and it's the only way to be right with God. And I started this talk about a woman who drank a concoction to abort a child. She wanted to drink poison to solve her problems. And when we don't forgive, some of us drink poison thinking it's going to be okay. But what cup? are you going to drink from today? Is it going to be a cup of, of anger and malice to try and get something, get rid of something? Is it going to be a cup of bitterness that just holds on to wanting to be, be in the right? Or is it going to be a cup of, of God's forgiveness that we can come and drink from and, and we can be forgiven? Our sin can be forgiven. So then, we can turn around and extend that to others. It seems very appropriate that we do communion today. And we have two stations for communion. We'll have one right over here um, that'll be uh, standing up. People will be serving you. We have one back there to kneel if you want to spend a little bit more time in prayer. Um, just be more reflective. You can go back there. But I think Jesus got this. He knew this. And he wanted to ask his disciples, what cup are you going to drink from? I'm going to drink a cup of suffering because I know what it's going to take to restore this relationship with people 
and God. And it's going to take something from you, he says to his followers, to restore that as well. And so he takes the bread on the night that he was betrayed, and he said, this, this bread is my body, and it's going to be broken for you. He says, take and eat this bread. It's broken for you. It's my body. And when you do, remember me. Then later, he takes the cup and he pours it full of wine. He says, I want you to drink from this cup. This cup is the cup of the new covenant. The covenant of grace, the covenant of love, the covenant that fulfills the law. In fact, the law was so great that I died for it so that we don't have to live under it anymore. So take and drink. This is my blood shed for you. And when you do, remember me. If you need to spend some time as the band comes up, as our communion servers go to their spots, if you need to take some time to pray, to reflect, maybe there's someone in this room that's, that's offended you that you need to talk to, or maybe you've offended somebody else that you need to talk to. Maybe there's someone in your life and you need to, to talk to God about doing that, about dealing with that, about seeing what, what God will require of you. If you are a Christ follower, if you want to follow Christ today, then, then this station is open. These stations are open for you, regardless of if you are a member here or not. But ask God, where's my heart today? What cup do I want to drink from? Amen.